Wyoming got a dog. Wyoming got a dog. Let's get it started. Welcome back to the YO Sports Podcast. I am your host, David Graff. Joined alongside me, as always, is my co-host, Robert Munoz. And again this week, we have Wyoming Cowboys football and basketball beat writer for YO Sports, Michael Katz, joining us as well. He'll be here for most of the episodes, so uh, stick around. We also have Colby Taylor, who is one of the New signees from National Signing Day today, or the early signing day period, as it's called. He joined me, I, th- I think it was in between classes, or he took a quick bathroom break. I don't know what, what it was, but uh, he answered eight questions that we're going to try to ask every recruit, get them on the podcast, and see what their answers are. So we'll, we'll talk to him here in a little bit, but first want to start off with some football grades. It's uh, nearing the end of the semester if you're in school, so you're probably either excited to get your grades back or you're absolutely dreading it. And it's time to hand out some grades for Wyoming football this year. They ended the season in a snowy, to say the least, loss at home in Laramie 17-9 to to Boise State, Boise State is playing San Jose State for the Mountain West Championship this weekend. So let's just start it off. Cats, who got an A this season for Wyoming football? I mean, if we're doing positional groups, the running backs, uh, I, I think Xavier Valade and, and Trey Smith were, were pretty exceptional given the circumstances. Uh you know, X led the Mountain West in rushing again, even though he missed basically a game and a half. Uh, and Trey Smith ended up with close to 500 yards. So it's it's they more than exceeded expectations this year. Um, I would say the defensive line, I, I would give an A to because uh, not only did they play well, but they battled so many different things in, in terms of injuries, uh, opt-outs, suspensions, and it didn't really matter who played. Uh, they all played well. You know, Jordan Bertignoli was a revelation this year as a walk-on. Garrett Craw was great when he got back. Um, there are just a bunch of guys that, um, you know, maybe unexpectedly stepped up. Um, I would – I'd probably give the linebackers an A, too, though that's probably largely on Chad Muma. Uh, he – was I think the best linebacker in the conference. Uh, he averaged 11 something tackles a game. Um, you know, it, it's hard to replace Logan Wilson, but he did about as good a job as you could possibly ask. And Charles Hicks was great when he was healthy. Um, you know, Easton Gibbs did a great job when he was thrown in there. Uh, so I, I think that group was, that was one of the unknowns given that they had lost Logan and, and Cash Maluia. And, and so I, I would say that's probably the other group that I would give an A2. And then I'll give John Hoyland an A2 because that man was a guy, that guy is ice for, for, for a, a walk on freshman who, 
nobody knew anything about coming into that first game for him to go 13 to 14 and make all of his extra points was pretty, uh, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. Hoyland by far an a, that was going to be my guy. Robert knows how much I love the kicking game and appreciate those skills and that steadiness at that position, especially when you come off the best kicker, arguably maybe in the history of the program, Cooper Roth, somebody signed Cooper Roth to the NFL after this past weekend. Kickers just, they're just not doing it, not doing it at the NFL level, but Cooper Roth is ready to step up any NFL team out there listening. Cause Everybody knows all 32 GMs listen to this podcast. But uh, Jeremiah, Jeremiah was asking me, he said, why isn't, uh, why isn't David tweeted out to the New York Jets to sign Cooper Roth? Because they, they released their kicker. I can't remember what his name is. I, I, I mean, I guess after the show, I got to tweet out that uh, they need to sign Cooper Roth. The Vikings absolutely need to sign Cooper Roth. I mean, yeah. Dan they Bay- always need a kicker. Dan Bailey. The NFC North. Except for Crosby. Disastrous. So that, that was going to be my A, John Hoyland. Shout out to him. So, Robert, tell us, who, who got an A this year from you? Well, Cats touched on him. I mean, it has to be Chad Moomer, right? He stepped in. No one knew how he was going to perform. I mean, he had high hopes. But, yeah, like Cat said, lineback, linebacking core in general is just, I mean, I, he had 71 tackles of the team. 11.8 tackles, second in the conference. Who knows, could have finished first in the conference if everything went well. They played all the games. So that was a big question mark. Cats pretty much touched on everything. But he came out and first team All-Mountain West. Um, it was, I mean, he stepped in. He stepped in and filled a role that needed to be filled. And, I mean, it was, he's not Logan Wilson yet, but – Definitely, uh, definitely proved himself. An A definitely means that you're flying high and honestly, you kicked ass. So, there are other grades than that that do pass. So, who, who, Robert, we'll go right back to you. Do you think passed this season? Um, I'm gonna have to say, I see a Scandi. Um, DB, uh, I think he finished top 10 in the Mountain West in tackles. That's tough for a DB to do. And the, the pass, the passing defense was kind of a, wasn't, wasn't on point in the beginning of the season at the start of the season. And then obviously they ended up, ended up being pretty well. So I think, uh, I think, I think he deserves a B. You could maybe even a B plus borderline A. I think he uh, he's another guy who kind of proved himself definitely toward the end of the season. What about you, Michael? Uh, I would I would definitely pass Isaiah Nair. Uh, he only caught eight passes, but he averaged thirty one yards a catch, which is pretty uh, it's pretty amazing for a guy to catch eight passes and be named honorable mention all conference. It means that the coaches and the media definitely see something in you. And you just kind of – it's part of that, that would have liked to have seen him get the ball more because uh, every time he did, it was something pretty spectacular, whether it was a leaping catch, um, just his extension, his speed. 
even that 54 yard, you know, reverse that he ran uh, against New Mexico. Every time he had the ball in his hands, something good happened. Um, so I, I, I would probably, I, I would say that he is definitely another guy that deserves a passing grade. To put it in perspective on the passing game that Nair was relying upon, Wyoming completed 17 passes in their fi- total in their final three games. 17. 17. Okay? Big Ben Roethlisberger averages more than that in the first half of games. All right? 17 passes total. That's just oh, – oof. I, I would say, honestly, the pass is I, – I, I would pass the whole team because this year was a bizarre year in terms of cancellations, it's COVID, everything. But there, as far as we know, there were no cancellations because of Wyoming having a, cal, having a COVID outbreak, which is – it's an unbelievable job by all the guys on the team – and the discipline and the leaders bringing everybody together and saying, hey, we're going to have this really abbreviated season and we're not going to screw it up. Other teams might screw it up, but the fact that the Wyoming, they got five games in, that's not, not the end of the world. I mean, it's, not, it's certainly not going to be a season that we're going to probably look back on too fondly, but there were some great moments. There were some exciting plays. I mean, hell, even the first game of the season when they lost in overtime to Nevada to come back like they did. And it, I just remember sitting at Buffalo Wild Wings here in Casper, and I'm like, holy crap. Wyoming football is actually playing. It feels a little bit normal. I'm out at a – bar slash restaurant. So I, I passed the whole team for, for coming together and at least getting five games in, even if at the end of the day, they weren't always the results that we wanted on the scoreboard. So we'll move on to the failures. There are always some people who are, who are lacking, slacking, slept in late, didn't show up for class, just had no idea what was coming on the test didn't do any of their studying. I mean, everybody knows that guy. You can think yourself. But uh, I'm, I'm going to go with it's, – it's an easy one, but Vegan, the offensive coordinator, he, he's got to reevaluate some things. He's back next season. He absolutely needs to review some tape of that second half against Nevada. Okay, that was by far the best offensive game of the season against a competent opponent. No offense to UNLV and Wyoming putting up 45 in that game. But what they did in the second half of, against Nevada was something that I thought we would see continue over the course of the season. And, and we never really saw that kind of creative mixing it up. And like Katz mentioned, Isaiah Nair, get the ball in your best guy's hands. Even if, you, even if it has to be end around, a short pass, whatever, you got to get the ball in your playmaker's hands. So I, I, I hate to do this to Vegan. I hate to do this to anybody, but you got an F. So uh, what about you guys? 
Well, you already you already passed the whole team, Graf. I mean, you can't fail you can't fail anybody after you already passed all the guys. Except, Coach, except coaches, for maybe the coaches, I guess. Coaches could get COVID and be out. Nick Saban did it. Like, what? I, I don't. He's not exactly part of the team. I meant the players. I mean, for me, it's. I don't know if if I would fail them, but I would say a group of people that underperformed was the offensive line this year. I think we all had really high expectations for that group, just given how good they were uh, last year amid all of the injuries and the lineup shakeups and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, obviously, you know, they lost Lonzo Velasquez before the season started. That obviously was a big deal. They lost Logan Harris from, from mono for a bit. Um, but I, I think we just sort of expected that whoever was going to be in there was going to push people around and was going to provide really good pass protection. And, and, you know, for the most part, they did that, but, I think with that group, you expected them to maybe push guys around a little bit more. And there were a lot of times when, you know, Levi had a lot of problems on his own, but uh, he was under duress a lot. Uh, he he was he he was having to make some really uh, some tough throws under pressure. And I think the best thing that they could have done, you know, for especially for a young quarterback, is protect him and give him time. Uh, and for the most part, he really is as, as athletic and mobile as he is. Uh, he, he didn't get a ton of time back there. And I think that that falls on that group up front. You know, I'm not saying that they were bad. Obviously, when you've got Keegan Kreider, who's the best center in the conference, Logan Harris is one of the best guards in the conference. Um, but I think expectation wise, they, they, they didn't they didn't quite make the mark. Robert, how about you? Who, who didn't quite make the mark? You don't have to go as far as I did saying anybody failed. I don't know, man. There was – Cats kind of touched on the only group that maybe didn't meet expectations, maybe didn't study hard enough. I don't know. Levi Williams, I guess, but that's, that's an iffy subject because part of the reason is uh, – like Catch just said, he he had a lot to deal with. Uh, I know Catch wrote about how the playbook changed and stuff. A lot of stuff just changed when once Sean went down. So Levi could have played better, obviously. Um, Seventeen passes in the last three games. You just said that he completed. Um, I mean, he didn't play to expectations, but other than that, I don't know. I I think. I think everything everything played out how it seems, even though the Cowboys went two and four. And they played the six games that you said they would play, David. It's pretty right on the money. Knew a few few teams would get some COVID, but uh I really do I personally don't think that Levi Williams is to blame for some of his shortcomings this year. I, I think that it's, it's really – obviously, he's got to take some personal responsibility and evaluate his own performance in a way that he might feel is harsh. But these are young kids, and I, I truly believe that it's on the coaching staff to prepare these guys every week and put them in positions to succeed. 
And that includes better play calling, better opportunities to get guys the ball in space and and not like there were so many times where Wyoming would have a huge three and out and then on the other end they'd run the ball two times, it's third and eight, and and then they and then Levi Williams is just overwhelmed with pressure. I you've gotta you've gotta be willing to mix it up, show something that you haven't shown before. That and that's just what's confusing and honestly something that I really hope the coaching staff goes into the offseason and evaluates that because Craig Bowles had a lot of success coaching college football, lots of success. And he's used the formula that we saw this year, but everybody has to adapt. So we'll see what happens. It obviously didn't help that Sean Chambers went down on the very first drive of the season because whether or not Levi Williams or Sean was eventually going to be the number one guy, Sean Chambers Levi Williams, either one, if they're both healthy, they're therefore pushing the guy that's uh, in front of them. So it, it just would have, it would have created a little bit more of a sense of urgency probably for either guy in that position. I mean, any, anything else you guys want to say before we move on to the big news from today, the early signing day, Wyoming had a pretty solid class. I would just say, you know, kind of like you said, Levi was – he he shouldered some of the blame, but he was put in a lot of really tough situations that I think 95% of college quarterbacks are struggling with. And I just think it was – like you said, it's those third and eights when the defense can pin its ears back uh, and, and just get after them. I think, I think they were very predictable on offense this season. And it uh, – you know, when, when you complete – 30% of your third downs or whatever it was and have an atrocious red zone offense and complete 17 passes in over in your last three games. Uh, uh, something has to change. Cause you can't, you can't keep doing that ex- and, and expect to win. You say pre- they were predictable. They were very predictable, but it, it's certainly a, a tribute to the running backs. And that was the first thing you mentioned. And they were, I mean, Two running backs in the top ten in the conference and rushing. I mean, when they were that predictable, so maybe the offensive line could uh, get a little bit more credit, but very predictable. Running backs are going to be a Xavier Valdez is just going to be up for the Heisman next season. It's going to be great. Anyway, move on, Graph. If, if Xavier Valade is in the Heisman conversation next season, I mean, that that would not surprise me, but it would also be obviously a surprise considering it's been a long time since that's even a thought that uh, a poke going into the season might be a Heisman contender. We move on to some guys who probably have some Heisman dreams of their own one day, and they signed on – the dotted line, if you would, their national letters of intent to attend the University of Wyoming and play football. The early signing day period opened on Wednesday, December 16th. There were 17 kids 
who chose Wyoming. 17, the a typical recruiting class, if you don't know, is usually 25. There's also National Signing Day coming up in February. So it's not the end of Wyoming's class for next for this season or anything like that. There will still be some recruiting going on. But a lot of the action has moved to this early period. And 11 of the 17 guys were three-star recruits by 24-7 Sports, one of the top recruiting ranking services, which is it's impressive, especially for a Mountain West school, no matter what Mountain West school you're at. The headliner probably for people here in the state, the only guy in the early signing day period class, a man who was on a mission this season for Cheyenne Central, Andrew Johnson signed with the Pokes today he officially. Probably knew that he was – headed to Laramie to play college football. But he made it official today. He's probably going to play safety in Laramie, which uh, he made big plays on both sides of the ball in high school football. So excited to, you know, at least have one guy from the state in the class. There were some other really interesting guys. Uh, Colby Taylor is a cornerback out of Texas, and he will be on the podcast here in just a moment. He is a three-star recruit by 24-7 Sports. He also – so he's listed as being from Pasadena, Texas, which is outside of Houston. But like he told me, he's a dog, and he originally hails from Florida. But uh, So he's proud of that, that Florida boy status. But from the signing day – what are you guys' initial thoughts? I think for me, one of the most interesting things that that Craig brought up in, in addition to, you know, virtual visits and all that weird pandemic stuff was how they sort of had to recruit around what states were playing football this fall. Um, because Wyoming is so senior evaluation heavy, uh, you know, they're not going to get those guys who – blossomed as juniors those are guys going to the bigger programs they get on the sort of late bloomers and so uh you know there were a lot of kids from texas a lot of kids from nebraska um you had you know utah and you know there were only i think three players who didn't who played there were california illinois uh who didn't play the high school football this fall uh and that's that's not by accident craig you know he said normally we go for the california kids but um we didn't have any tape that we could really evaluate them on. They didn't have camps. They didn't have any of that stuff. And so I think for me, that was one of the really interesting things was how they sort of changed their, their footprint and the way that they had to do things. Luckily, Wyoming is in sort of that part of the country that was playing high school football. So it worked out to their advantage compared to some of the coastal programs. Um, but I thought that was really interesting how they kind of had to adapt to who was actually playing. Yeah, it's, it's definitely weird. It's obviously weird for the recruits. I talked to Colby, and he's like, uh, I, I couldn't come visit Laramie. You know, we did an official virtual visit, which was obviously strange and certainly weird that usually what is probably a normal part of the recruiting process becomes your official big deal, if you would. I mean, you know, 
it's it's a big deal for the kids. It's an amazing experience to go travel around to a, a few schools that want you to play football. They're, you're not just visiting the school to uh, see the library and check out the cafeteria and see if the girls are cute. You're there to play football. So you, you usually want to have that experience and see what that's going to be like on a game day. But for these guys, they did it virtually, which is obviously a strange thing. And it speaks to uh, Coach Bowl and the rest of the coaching staff and their ability to make a good impression on a, on a bunch of these kids because 11 out of 17, three-star recruits, that's, that's nothing to scoff at. Obviously, you want it to be 17 out of 17, three stars and above, but we can't, we can't have everything. So, uh, Robert, anything from signing day stand out to you? Um, not much. Uh, 12 defensive players signed compared to five offensive players. I don't know, uh, Michael, are you getting a more – I feel that they're trying to bring in a lot of defense. Is that what is that what's going on, or what are you thinking there? I think it's more of in this weird situation where you have to be really careful with your scholarships. I think they just felt more comfortable giving it to those guys rather than handing it out to. And someone brought up, you know, why didn't you take a quarterback this cycle? And well, one, they have a lot of quarterbacks, but two they didn't feel good enough about one to just give him an offer right now. And I think, you know, Craig historically feels pretty good about defensive players. And I think that, you know, when push comes to shove in a situation like this, when things are so strange and you, you have to divvy up scholarships and whatnot, um, you know, if, if it wouldn't surprise me if he did it because it's what he's more comfortable with. Definitely. That's, I mean, that's interesting, but you can see offensive players are always at, sometimes they're, you know, hit or miss, but defensive players are, they're maybe going to grind, grind it out. Defense wins championships. That's what people say, right? Not anymore. Offense wins championships. Just kidding. But, uh, only the chiefs, my man, (laughs) Jesus. No, I didn't take a quarterback because Gavin beer up in his, uh, limited action and desperation and just really trying to throw stuff against the wall. He didn't look good in terms of numbers, but actually watching the film, he looks incredibly confident in the pocket. I will say that. So as Katz pointed out as well, the quarterback room is crowded. I don't know if there are too many people in there for COVID-19 safety protocols and whatnot. I will say I think Gavin Burek threw one of the best passes of the season, though. That third and 21 where he threw the 18-yard strike to Everhart that set up his uh, 38-yard run against New Mexico. That was like that was his first throw, and he was coming in off the sideline, you know, deer in the headlights. I thought that was actually like that might have been the, that might have been the throw of the season. Yeah, no doubt. I think in his limited action, he showed little sparks of uh, maybe a bigger. Big uh, firework, a little bit of explosive explosivity from beer up down the line. We'll see. We go to now Colby Taylor, one of those recruits from the early signing day period. He was very happy to join me. I, d- I don't know if he was 
in class or what he but he was he was a little shy not gonna lie but he he was excited to talk tell wyoming fans what uh what they need to know about him i'm gonna ask almost every recruit that i can get a hold of these eight questions and uh colby was the first guy to answer them so i'll list the questions here and then you guys can uh listen to the interview but i asked him where he's from how he would describe his game, what other schools recruited him, what attracted him to Wyoming, what he was most excited about when he got to Laramie, what does he like to do outside of football, what does he put on a burger, and what should Poke fans know about him. I already told you, Poke fans should know he's a dog. He wants everybody to know that, but uh, I'll let him tell you for himself. All right, we are joined now by the first recruit to join us to get to know him, Colby Taylor, a DB out of Texas. Uh, got the same eight questions for all the incoming recruits. Let's start with uh, Colby. Where are you from? I'm from Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Nine five four. Love it, I love it. So, how would you describe your game? Uh, I'm a dog. Tell me a little bit more about that. I mean, everybody loves a dog. I'm a lockdown corner. What other schools my, recruiting you? Oh, other schools, UCA, uh, SFA. A lot of a lot of other schools recruited me. Um, U of H was recruiting me at one point. Um, well, SF, uh, I mean UTSA, UNLV, all those schools. I was getting a lot of a lot of. A lot of um, a lot of love from them, but Wyoming, they stood out to me. Yeah, what was it that stood out to you? What what attracted love, you the, to Wyoming? What attracted me the love for the like the love they was giving me. They was giving me a lot of love, sir. Like felt like I was home already on my little. I didn't even have an official visit. I had a um, I had an official visit, but it was virtual. You know, it was a lot of love. Made me feel home. Nice. It's def- I mean, I personally went to UW. I know that feeling, so I know what you're getting at. What are you most excited for when you get to Laramie? Oh, I'm excited to, I'm, I'm excited to play. I'm ready to play, come to Wyoming and start. What do you like to do outside of football? Oh, shoot, I just – I like to hang out, chill, work out, grind, stuff like that, play, play game. Stuff like that. I don't really do too much. I just be chilling uh, most of the time. That's always good. So let's get let's get to your personality a little bit here. It's uh, an outside the box question. Wyoming loves their beef. We're famous for our beef. So what are you putting on a burger? On a burger, ketchup and some cheese. That's it. <laughs> That's it, man. That's it. Anything That's it. you can put on that. You just like ketchup. Any, and oh, cheese. anything. Oh, I'm a ketchup, cheese, bacon. That's it. That's probably it right there. That's my burger. Hey, that's not bad. That sounds pretty good right around lunchtime here. So let's finish up with what should Pokes fans know about you? Wyoming got a dog. Wyoming got a dog. Let's get it started. Let's go. Let's get it started. I love that. Love that. Yes, sir. All right. And then – Let's just tell people where they can connect with you, where they can follow you, where they can keep up with uh, Kobe Taylor. Oh, you can follow me on Twitter. 
You can follow me on Twitter, follow me on Instagram. Shoot, I, you can hit me. If you need anything, hit me DM about anything about Kona. I, I'll talk to you, tell you about my story and all. Yeah, they can, they can follow me on Twitter and all. Yes, sir. What uh, What is your handle? Uh, at Kobe, capital T, 2021. All right. Love it. Love it. Thank you, Kobe, for uh, sneaking me in here. I know you got yes, class, sir. so uh, really appreciate <laughs> the time, man. Thanks. Yeah. All right. All right, I hope you guys enjoyed that interview with Colby. We'll we'll be bringing you more interviews with those same questions from more of the guys that signed on early signing day period. We wrap it up here. Robert has one final question for Michael Katz. And then Michael Katz has had a huge day. It's a monumental day. It is the kind of day that you put down on your resume And somebody looks at it and is like, whoa, whoa. All right. So, Robert, go ahead, ask your question. Michael, I just want to know your thoughts on the hoop squad early on in this season. I mean, you can just tell that there's just a different energy uh, about this team. Uh, You know, those games like Utah Valley and Oregon State, they managed, they found ways to lose those games last year. They're finding ways to win those games right now. And, of course, you don't want them to be close. But, you know, with a team that won eight games all of last year, nine games, whatever it was last year, uh, for them to be on the verge of six and one heading into the new year is is pretty impressive. And, um, you know, they – they shoot the ball so much better. I mean, they're just they're more pleasant to watch. Uh, they they play defense better, or they play defense well as you know still. But you know, just the ball movement. They they look like a modern college basketball team finally, and it's it's an exciting product. You know, we we didn't when when guys shot threes last year, they were desperation threes. Now they're they're good looks. Those are the looks they want, and there's something exciting about that fast brand of basketball they want to run they they want to take advantage of being at 72 20 and uh yeah they're you know i i don't you know i I, are they going to win the mountain west probably not but uh i i would venture money to say they're well no i don't bet but i would say that they're probably going to finish above their ninth place projection i would say i would safely say they're going to probably finish the middle of the pack and surprise some people uh there Jeff Leader knows what he's doing he certainly does he certainly does he's well qualified for this position so we're it's a treat to have him in Laramie Wyoming takes on Omaha tomorrow night in uh what should be a good game the the kind of game that Wyoming would have gotten spanked in last year so uh, we'll see what happens. Hopefully this team keeps trending upward. But all right, we're going to wrap the pod up here with Katz. He's got unbelievable news. Unbelievable. Yeah, this has been a long time coming. I, I finally got followed by Jose Canseco on Twitter. That was uh, – so I, I don't know if you know the backstory, but uh, I, I – I don't know if I'd say I like Jose Canseco, but he's really funny to me um, just because he's, he's really out there and he just, he just sort of says things into the abyss and 
people are just like, what are you talking about? And he, he talks about Bigfoot and like alien invasions and like weird things like that. So I've, I, I've been following him for a while. And last year, a couple of my friends did like, they bought me a cameo for my birthday from Jose Canseco. I have it saved on my computer because it's so funny. And they asked him to follow me and he never did. And so this has been like, this has been a big deal for me. And so uh, yesterday, I, I don't know why, I don't know why he's thirsty for followers right now or retweets, but he did one of those like retweet this and I'll follow you. And so like fastest I've ever retweeted something in my life and he didn't, he didn't do it. Right. And so then today he replied to his tweet and was like, uh, do, do it now and I'll do it. And so like I quote tweeted him said, I need this Jose. And literally within like 10 seconds, it said Jose Canseco's followed you. And I was like, no, he actually did it. So in case he ever unfollows me, I have screen capped it. So I always have proof that I once had the follow I've always wanted. I don't think he'll unfollow you. He's not going to do it. You I, I don't know, man. I, I might end up saying, I might quote tweet him and say something mean about him because I do tend to do that. Uh, maybe he'll just mute me. If, if I'm lucky, he'll just mute me. <laughs> Well, Katz has the ear of Jose Canseco, at least for a little bit, on Twitter here. That, that's a good segue. Thank you for listening to the podcast. You can follow Michael L. Katz on Twitter at Michael L. Katz and join an elite group headlined by Jose Canseco. You can follow Robert on Twitter at Armunoz307, holding it down for the Cowboys State. As always, you can follow myself as well at Mr. David Graff. So really appreciate everybody who has subscribed to the podcast, who has rated the podcast, who has reviewed the podcast. We appreciate all that support. It helps more poke fans find the podcast, which is always a great thing. It's a great thing. And when your friends start listening to the pod, then you and your friends can start making fun of us. That's, that's, that's really what we're going for here. So uh, shout out to everybody. Thank you for that. And then shout out to Shakewell for the music as well. We'll be back again next week.
can shout out any suggestions, baby. Now 